Episode 22 of A Beer with Sam and Peter. Yep. I'm still Sam. He's still Peter. We're still here making episodes. We sure are, still Sam. Still drinking beer. We are we're still, yeah, we we're are drinking beer this time and we're in shorts. So we're thrown back to our glory days. Yeah, it's all coming back. Uh, we're drinking Stone and Wood today. Stone and Wood's Pacific Ale. Yes, yeah, specifically. Which um, is probably is- my favorite beer of all time. Really? So, um, I wouldn't say it's my favourite, but I, I do quite like it. Yeah. Cheers, Sam. Mm. There's always that moment in this episode, this show, we haven't come up with a good way of doing it, where there is going to be like some silence as we drink. <laughs> as we drink, yeah. yeah. As we take a sip. And I've tested different things, you know. I think if you're a regular listener, you'll note that sometimes you just hear us drinking and have that great <laughs> ASMR <laughs> experience um, of gulping noises. Or it's, or it's just silence or you cut it out. Uh, sometimes or, I cut it out. But then it seems like we have just sort of, we're either like supermen. <laughs> or we just skull a beer and then we're like, ooh, mm, yeah. it tastes like. We just windmill. It tastes like a lager. Yeah. I don't know. What would you describe Stone and Wood as? Um, great. <laughs> um, so it's a craft ale with fruity notes. Yes. Is what? How I would describe it? I mean, that's how they would describe themselves. Oh, really? <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. I mean, that's it. It's a craft beer with fruity notes, but it's just yeah. it's just really good. And there's a, so there's sort of an element of mythos about Stone and Wood because uh, there's a lot of people who share my thoughts on it. A lot of people who like it, and it ends up getting sold out. Um, in most liquor stores that you go to, which is why we haven't had it on the show yet. Um, and uh, it's just, I don't know, with anything like that, uh, there's this sort of like, oh, oh yeah, we should we should buy stone wood. We should drink stone wood because it's a popular craft beer. It's that beer that everyone buys and I can never find. Yeah. I, it's I think it's I like quite it. nice on tap as well. Yeah. I've said it before. I, I, I don't know what this says about me. I like beer with stuff in it. <laughs> um and I don't know. This is definitely it for me. It's just it, it's it's kind of like pear beer. So I describe it. And I have a good story with Stone and Wood actually. Oh really? For once we have a story about the beer. Here we go. Um, so Stone and Wood Pacific Ale. Uh, it was originally created with an incredibly specific vision, right? Right. So the guys who created Stone and Wood. Um, we're at the beach, and they created a beer that you were that was designed to be drunk in the in the moments after after you come out of the surf. So you meant to walk out to- of the I beach. I can totally see that and sit down on the sand and drink it. So that's how we. It, it has really a very it has a very like beachy yeah taste. But that's exactly how they imagined um, someone drinking it, and I think it works well. Yeah, we should we should try that, and then we we back. should actually like we should go to the beach, get out, mm. crack a couple of stubbies of stone wood. Yeah. I mean, we can't do it, you know, on the, on the show because of the wind. I mean, we could. And the sand. Montage. <laughs> <laughs> Us frolicking. <laughs> yeah, just imagine in your mind's eye. We're like running Us. running through the beach. It, it starts off okay until like a kid tries to catch a frisbee in front of Peter and he just knocks him over. Just wipe him out. Boom. And then I stand on a sandcastle. People are crying. You stand at a sandcastle, get bitten by a crab, and... Da, 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 and then we eventually fall over. 
And then we get up and we drink our stone wood and it's all magically yeah. better. Yay! Yeah. I, I, peel, I peel off this brown wig to reveal <laughs> long, luscious blonde locks. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Anyway, before we get into our homework movie for today, quick survival watch. Australian survival watch. Australian survival watch. watch. I mean, uh, there's a whole been a hole in my heart ever since the Salmon King left oh, because he, we don't have just devastating. And this no Dez, no Salmon King. There's no other like interesting characters. It's all yeah. back to just like kind of standard. Mostly yeah. idiots, basically. Well, the really, only kind really of interesting guy, like the only kind of distinct guy, I think, is bloody old mate Baz. Old mate Baz with his, who, with who his decide, policy of like, I don't like to play I'm not the gonna, game. I'm not going to make alliances. I'm just yeah. going to draw a name out of a hat. Barry and Des accidentally walked onto the same bus. <laughs> they, they clearly, neither of them want to play Survivor. Barry's just like, Nah, nah, I'm loyal to the group, even though it's a game about, you know, backstabbing other It's all people. about individuals. Yeah, and um, I'm not going to be a part of any alliance, which means every alliance is going to hate you. I, I don't know. Anyway. I, yeah, I did love that that almost got him voted out immediately. Yeah, exactly. Well. But not quite. Well, um, what I should say right now is there's a timestamp to our homework movie, Black Mass. Mm. And if you haven't watched this week's episode of Survivor and you don't want to get that spoiled, uh, just, just skip to that now. Yeah. Because, uh, now. <laughs> because, we're going to talk about episode 6 yeah because we've lost all uniqueness now Baz is out oh no yeah, Peter hasn't watched it uh, oh. so in an episode that was utter fucking chaos Barry got voted out somehow somehow so was it like one of the things where there's they like there's like four people that were voted for oh, and he just dude, happens to get no, two votes it was an absolute shambles so if you remember from last episode uh People got moved around, so anyone who was voted yeah. out that episode was not voted out. They chose someone to take with them, and then they were moved to a different tribe. Which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. We that, was, good, that was a great twist. We had a good challenge this time around, but unfortunately, they're very... And, and Yellow was ahead, miles ahead, but the last goal was making a fire to burn something. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know if there's one thing Yellow Team can't do, it's make a fire. Yeah, and you know what? They actually managed to make a fire quite quickly but didn't understand the concept that the rope was above the fire and you should probably build a fire upwards. So, you know, the, they did teepee, which was sort of a massive shit on the, on, the, on, on the ground that was burning. Yeah. And it just didn't move. And eventually, Red Team, in all the whatever the opposite of glory is, eventually caught up to them. <laughs> <In> confidence. <laughs> yeah. Eventually caught up to them after a what massive head start. Blue Team won. Ah, of course. Massive head start and made a fire that actually was like built up, and the rope broke, and and then, then yellow team was sad. The thing that so what they, so what the yellow team they just like built a fire like, like they a covered flat, as much area as possible. basically like Barry built a flat fire. <laughs> oh Barry, yeah, poor um, Barry. So they get back home and exactly what you thought would happen. It's a death sentence to the people that went moved over there, Connor. And Sam, I like Connor. He's like the sweet, sweetie. He's the guy. fucking idiot that like burnt his hand. Yeah, but like, he's such a lovely guy. Burned on the first yeah. day. And Sam's I thought like, that would like be his death sentence. Yeah. They would just be like, he's well, incompetent. He can't. No one do said anything. he got third degree burns. He said he, he said, "Oh my god, I might die." But he I pro- think in reality, he was probably just a bitch. I think he was probably pretty fine. It looked like. I suppose if he could have recovered that quick, like yeah. that quickly. And he had a firefighter on his tribe, so. Yeah. And and the show the showrunners 
to break the illusion a little bit, they would have yeah. fixed his hand up. But we digress. <laughs> we digress. Um, so they come back and no one talks to uh, Connor or Sam. Oh, yeah. Sam's the other guy that Connor chooses to take. Sam's probably the most generic muscle man of all the muscle men. He's just muscle man. He's got a spider tattoo on his shoulder. He's a simple guy. And they... Is they... he the one that found the idol? No. No. That's that Rowan. Rowan. Yeah. Uh, so they turn up and no one speaks to them. They're just there. People are going about their lives. And no just getting ignored. Yep. Because, of course, that was what happened. They just came over from another tribe. Is that what happened in Blue Team? Uh, it didn't really cut to Blue Team at all. Mm-hmm. It was just Yellow Team because there was so much chaos and drama. <laughs> so you'd think it would be a simple time, right? And I I was talking, texting my girlfriend fur- furiously because we love Connor, sweet little Connor, and we're like, he's out. You know? And that's, what, that's how it starts. Like, the group's just like, well, we're going to vote out one of these guys and... Uh, we've only had Connor because he's the littler one, right? He's going to be worse than challenges. And that was, that you seem like that's done and dusted, right? And, and then just Barry and go, then, oh, I'm no, not And then chaos just fucking break. Like, it, we were like, oh, come on, just, just, just someone. We were hoping for someone to be put up on the chopping block instead. Yeah. Right? Sam would have done. I, I, we didn't <laughs> Um, and that's what we were thinking. Maybe Connor could convince them that Sam should go. So Connor walks over with his baby face and he's like, Sam's just done nothing. He's like, okay, no one's talking to me. I guess I'll just stand here at the beach <laughs> for like the, a day. And um, I would go jerk off in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> and Connor goes to talk to one of the one of the, one of the people who just says, I can't speak to you and walks off. And so he's like, he mans up and he just walks over to the entire tribe as they sit down for dinner. And he sits down and he's like, hey, look. I know I'm going to get voted out. It was really great. It was like the first smart thing I've ever seen. He's like, yeah. uh, I know I'm going to get voted out. Um, you know, it makes sense. I don't hold it against you. But um, you should know that um, I'm a very loyal guy. Uh, we're going to merge soon. Um, and uh, I was the one who was voted off of my group of, of Blue Team. Not Sam. Um, and I, I don't like the blue team. I hate them now. I got voted off. I, I'm not going to go back and side with them. Once we merge, Sam's going to go back with them. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, Sam, anyway uh, you know, I'm a law guy. Yeah. Uh, won't let you down. Be ready to be a part of this tribe. And he just walks off. And then shit goes down. <laughs> <laughs> no one thinks Sam. Sam's never even mentioned, right? Someone off in the woods is like, this is our chance to fight off. Um, I can't remember the guy. He's really, he's very flamboyant. He's really big. Um, he's the guy who talks a lot on the other. Is he like the balling guy? No, he's like really big, and 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 just very flamboyant and outgoing. Right, I can't remember his name. And like, maybe we should vote him off, right? And then someone's like, maybe we should vote Sue off. <laughs> and then there's another splinter sect, right? Who uh, who wants? To, who do they want to get rid of? I can't even remember. <laughs> so basically, everyone starts thinking of someone else to vote off. Connor just threw this massive spanner. Somehow, in the like saved himself. Just shit gets real. And I, the best bit I like about this is that at least Connor thought that he had done something. Sam must have just been totally confused at tribal council. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I haven't talked to anybody. He was What's like, going he was like, on? What is happening? And they all just start to cannibalize each other. And I don't know who's going home, right? But we've thrown out Craig, we've thrown out Sue, uh, and we've thrown out Person X, whose name I can't remember. Um, all this is happening, right? And they get to tribal council, 
and good old host mate is is the most <laughs> aggressive he's ever been. He's essentially just like like a like an old timey king, just pointing to people, and saying, execute him. <laughs> like I, we were so because uh, the first thing he does, like we're like, okay, Connor's safe, sweetie pie's safe, and then he just he looks at Connor and he's like, so he's like. I'd imagine that you're all thinking of voting off Connor. Like, <laughs> like, he just starts pointing at people, right? Some more chaos ensues, right? Barry, who this entire time has been like, you know, I'd pick my names out of a hat. It's all about love. And, you know, I'm not going to So does now just Barry out of nowhere. <laughs> Barry comes out of nowhere with this cryptic remark where he says, he says, you know, um, we love each other and this is, this is great. He's very concise all of a sudden, right? And he's just like, <laughs> out of nowhere. We, you know, we love each other. Um, but in this game, you don't vote with your heart, you vote with your head. And sometimes it's just important to pick off someone who's weak to better the tribe. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> so just out of, out of nowhere, he's like, Some makes sort of, a stupid yeah. remark. The first time Barry's ever spoken about a strategy. And like, at this point, you're just like, what shit is on? Something's happening. And Connor's like, yeah. Um, so they go to vote people off. And then, uh, no votes for Craig. One vote for Sue. That was Barry. <laughs> right. uh, and they're just out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. They gave no hint of this, right? They just voted Barry out. Voted Barry off. Unanimously. Like, Sam votes wow. Barry. Connor votes Barry. The entire group votes Barry. Maybe that's just one of those things that they did with the editing because yeah, I from think one so. of the things I will say about the previous few episodes is you always know who's going to be like yeah. on the chopping block because they have all the talking heads and it's like focused on their team. Like you can kind of guess which team's going to have someone eliminated because they just focus on that team. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Whereas I mean, it seems like this time they're trying this to mix was it just up a little bit. confusing. <laughs> <laughs> so what's more must have happened. At some, and then Barry's speech at the end is like, he says it, it, as if he was he knew it was coming. He's like, you know, I don't hate the tribe. Um, I did badly in the challenge. And um, and then you realize at this point that what he was saying uh, that needlessly freaked everyone out is that he was saying that sometimes you have to vote with your head and vote off someone who's weak. He meant himself. So he, he just like threw himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at some point, all these... People working out how to backstab must have all gotten together and thought, okay, we'll vote off Barry. And Sam must have been told to vote, vote Barry. Barry. Connor must have been told and, to vote and Barry. And they just, it just must have, must have been one of those things where they just didn't have They just want to show the chaos bits. Or they just like, they just weren't filming when they yeah. did that scheming. But what I'm saying is Connor is very much alive somehow. <laughs> uh, so. do, you, do you see, so to kind of summarize and, yeah. and give an end to Australian Survivor Watch week two. Yeah. Um, do you see any emerging front runners or anybody that you could see going all the way? I don't know what the opposite, what's the opposite of a front runner? Because Losers. I see a lot of them. <laughs> I see a lot of them. I mean, anybody who I would pick as a front runner, sadly, in this series is by comparison. Mm. It's because they're not totally stupid yet. They have made, made a movie. There are a lot of idiots. So I think that he's a front runner I think because really- he's attractive and uh, friendly and does well at challenges. I don't think he's scheming at all. 
But no, he's definitely emerged as like the leader of Red Team. Yeah, and he's so sad. He's so sad all the time because they keep losing challenges. Yeah, and um, I, and he's definitely like the one member of that team where mm-hmm. if they got rid of him, they would just never win any more challenges. Yes, yes. So hopefully he's the MVP. Um, Connor, I think, because that speech that he made to the tribe was a really ballsy move and was smart. I can't see actually anything stupid with that, which yeah. is just a, a big first. Uh, and then that, that, so there's that girl at Phoebe at, uh, Blue Team. And she's, she keeps scheming away. Yeah. And that, that's about it. I could see her going relatively easy though, because she's, Definitely. she's made all these. Because she's made, she, everyone knows that she's calling the shots. So. Yeah. So she's probably going to go. Yep. Um, what about the fireman chick? Uh, fireman chick's just fireman chicking around. She's, so, so her whole she, deal is she she's use, not part of any alliance. Did she use her immunity idol? I don't think it counts because it turns out that if you don't have, to, like, if you it don't turns get, out that no one was going home, so. Yeah, but she still had it. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure how that works. I have to check the rule book. See you next time. She didn't get voted out anyway. Yeah. Her whole deal is that she's, she was only friends with the Salmon King and the Salmon King left. Yeah. And it looks like someone else is going to have to leave next episode. Someone's sick. Yeah. Someone's got a giant bug bite slash boil underneath their armpit. Ugh. Like a cyst. Yeah. Sort of. Just looks mm. gross. Anyway. Right. Stay tuned for next week's Australian Boil- Survivor Watch. Boil edition. Which is a week late. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, we're moving on to the homework movie. Yeah. Homework movie this week was Black Mass. Yep. So- which is like a... Almost a... Like autobiographical or biographical film about Whitey Bulger, who was a gangster from Southie in um, yep. Boston. Part of the Irish mob. Part of the Irish mob. Um, and uh, played by Johnny Depp. Yeah. And the reason I, I think what we want to talk about with this homework movie is that um, we've got a lot of stuff to cover. And usually with a homework movie, we go through all of the, the plot and everything. But... Um, I think with this movie, I wanted to talk about it because uh, it was weirdly not great. Yeah. Um, so this movie has Benedict Cumberbuns as uh, Johnny Depp's brother. Johnny Depp, Johnny obviously. Depp. Uh, Who I think, like, what what other what other really great what really great roles has Johnny Depp had? I think he was really I, good I in Pirates of the Caribbean. He was, in, he was great as a few people. Like I don't know why people bring up Willy Wonka all the time. Because <laughs> that was not... That was not a good movie. I, I no. don't generally love a lot of the Tim Burton stuff. So... I think he was great in the, at, for his cameo in 21 Jump Street. That was fantastic. <laughs> and of course, he was in 21 Jump Street, the original yeah, TV show. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's done some good stuff. Uh, the movie... That, my favourite Johnny Depp movie is probably... Oh... The one that I'm drawing a blank on. <laughs> so, you, you can look up the plot, I guess. Um, I watched this ages ago. But yeah. I really liked it. Uh, he was in this thriller where he plays a writer who's got writer's block. And he goes up to this cabin. And um, it's sort of a it's sort of a precursor to a movie called Hard to Seek. I would say they're kind of the same premise. Right. Where he's writing this book and this uh, hick guy played by a completely different actor, southern sort of dude who lives up there, um, starts murdering people. Right. And, you know, as you as you watch the movie, if you find out that the the uh, character in his book, his book is about getting away with murder, and the character in the book is southern. Right. And so he's, like, writing the story 
as yeah. it actually happened. And as it turns out, he start, he has a hat that's the killer's hat in his in his closet, and he is schizophrenic, and he's that Shit. person. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, same as hide and seek. Hide and seek that with Tommy Lee Jones. It's better, but <laughs> but they're both good. I don't know. I, I think he's he. I've never watched. I haven't really watched a movie where Johnny Depp's been in it, and I thought he did a, a bad job. I think he's a good actor. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, he he does a good job in this for sh- for, for sure. His transformation yeah. is great, and I think that's how this movie sort of survived the press process. Like everyone gave this movie a really good run when it came to interviews and stuff, but because all they was... talked about was how he looked so much like the guy and. And, and, and so scary. Yeah. And and I think, but like, before we really get into it, like, do you want to just quickly, like, give a brief yeah, overview so of what, the plot? Wani so, Bolger is um, uh, not well-known in Australia, but he's... He's, he's uh, an infamous, he's claimed, critic, he's uh, an infamous criminal gangster. in the Irish he's, mob in Boston. Yep, he's famous um, for uh, two things. Um, the, the first is the thing that the movie covers, which is that... Uh, he made a deal with the FBI back when the Italian ma- mafia was much larger yeah. than, than the Irish mob. And uh, he made a deal for that involved him being immune. Yeah. And he would give information to about about the mafia to the FBI. So it was sort of a form of snitching, but I'm sure he wouldn't have called it snitching. It was like... Strategic. That's one of the big things in the movie is they're going on about, oh, I'm not a snitch, blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, and basically... Um, the FBI just gave made him immune, and he killed people. Yeah, like they knew about it. And, um, and it, it was basically like they covered up a lot of the yeah. really shady shit that he did, or like at least his handler covered covered up a lot of the stuff that he did. Yeah, and um, if if you want a bit of an idea with like before seeing the movie, it's very like um, uh, what's his name's character from The Departed. Yeah, Jack Nicholson's character from The Departed mm-hmm. is actually based off. Yeah. Um, How is he? Whitey Bulger. Yeah. Uh, and and the second thing Whitey Bulger is famous for, I think the more the more more famous one is uh, he was on the FBI most wanted list for for the 10 longest years. amount of time or something like that. Yeah. He's uh, he, he he was on the one for thirteen years or something. For, yeah, a long time. So, and this this movie pretty much plays out how you'd think. The the thing that really bugs me about it, um, and what I want to talk about is that uh, sometimes. True stories that are interesting and fantastic, fantastical. I use that word a lot as if not a word. Um, sometimes they don't make good true story movies, and I think this is this is one of those instances, or or, or the 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 slice of his true story that they decided to tell in the movie did not make a good movie. Yeah, that like I think that is the problem with this movie is that. The the scenes that they chose to show and the aspects of his life that they chose to show weren't like the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's there's some really ready parallels you can draw between this movie and Goodfellas. It's going for a lot of the same sort of things as Goodfellas, and yeah. also with The Departed. And I think Goodfellas and The Departed are far better movies because they have far more compelling actual stories. Yeah. And I think what this, how this movie would have been better is if it had done the Goodfellas thing, like showing, Some- showing him as kids with the FBI guy, and like I know that's kind of already been done in The Departed, yeah, but the- but like I think that would have been a much better story if it had done the really like gritty like 
true story thing and shown his whole life. And that actually Rather happens. than just this, like, one slice where it was kind of really more focused on the FBI side of things. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, they definitely... That was the plan for this movie was to show... The FBI side of things. What the FBI I, had, had, had done. But which, the th- and the thing is, I don't think they even really showed all that much of what the... Like, they didn't show no. much of anything no. was the problem with that movie. Like, they this movie, they didn't, like, go into... Like, they showed a bunch of scenes which were him doing heinous shit. They showed a bunch of scenes of the FBI, like, covering stuff up and intimidating yep. people. But they didn't... It didn't come... It wasn't cohesive enough. And there was no sense of completion for me. Like, no. It, it, the movie... The one thing you said to me... felt like a setup. Yeah. You, you said to me that it, the whole movie felt like it was building to something. And it just... It, there was no, like, explosive ending. Someone found out... And the deal was broken, and um, Whitey Bulger just sort of left in the night, had a phone call with his brother, and that was it. Yeah. And there's a brief mention of how he was captured 10 years later. Yeah. I really, really like the initial setup of the movie. Yeah. With, like, the interviews of the people in prison. Yes. No, and, and how they kept cutting back and forth to that over time. Like, I thought that was really, really interesting. I would have liked but a little just, bit more jumping of time. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't... And they did do heaps of jumping of time, but it just didn't go anywhere like no there was no real stakes yeah although yeah and that's that that's actually kind of the sad thing about this movie because i think every little scene by itself was um was done really well as i said like johnny did was a good job his makeup was done well his whole family dynamic i loved his little weird thing where it's that weird thing with the with the irish mob where like um life just goes on like, the rest of their lives are conducted exactly the same as everyone else's. Like, he, li- he like, goes to visit his mum and plays Which is a pretty cards. stable thing of, like, gangster films, I yeah. think. Yeah, but he plays cards with, with her and that was done really well. Um, that sort of, like, really, really harsh, harsh love sort of family relationship. You know how they, 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 yeah. they, they barely spoke? They clearly like, they were fine. They just, there's they, a, some form of affection there yeah exactly and his relationship with his brother was done really well although his brother wasn't really even in it all that much no um his son that was the only thing that i thought had a big sense of completion that was the only story arc that i thought i was was really interested in like i liked uh, i liked hearing about his son how he had this sort of very very separate protective life going on that he would come home to. There's a separate house with his wife, I or think so. girlfriend, or uh, wife or girlfriend, and their son, uh, who gets sick from something. He's quite young, um, and is wor- is made worse when they- he's misdiagnosed and and dies. Yeah, and that really affects him. That was really that was a really weird like plot thread. I thought. Yeah, the thing that I got from that was that um, like, that must have that they were talking about how that's that. After that, he he did a lot more aggressive stuff. But we just didn't see that in the movie. No. And I think it was included in the movie only because That's in like the real a, life story, that probably was a really was big what catalyst. Happened. Yeah. But it didn't really, it didn't change his behavior in any way yeah, didn't that represent we it well saw. Yeah. Like they just said his behavior changed. Like we didn't actually, because before then we see him being a crazy And afterwards he's a crazy lunatic as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's actually, I think that is probably the big problem with the movie is... Like, 
the whole sort of thing that they say throughout the movie is that he went from a small-time criminal and then the FBI gave him a free pass, basically, and, and, he, and he became a mob boss. But yep. you never actually see him doing small shit and then going to be, like, a big yeah. mob boss. You know like, what? It's, you it's the exact same him. guys and, and like, just... He looks exactly the same, and he's doing the exact same shit throughout the movie. He doesn't even really do any sort of mob boss stuff. No. He just does his regular stuff. Like, you see him still personally... He personally... Like, beating some dude. He still kills people himself, which is, like... If he was this big shot mob boss, that's not, like... There was no delegation. No. There was two scenes where you saw him be an actual mob boss. There was one scene where they're, like, sitting down at this dinner table... And he has that good scene from the trailer where, yeah. you know, he's talking to this dude about, and the guy says uh, his past is a homemade recipe, a, a, a family secret. He can't tell him. And Whitey says, oh, come on, please tell me. And he tells him. And then he's like, oh, you flip so easily. You know, like. Yeah. That was very reminiscent of that scene from Goodfellas. Yeah. The, um, what about me is funny. Yeah. The Joe Pesci scene. That was very, that was very, very reminiscent of that and so much worse. And you know what though? Like, um, and then like immediately after that, they have the, he like weirdly goes and intimidates the guys. Oh yeah. That scene was also pretty. It was really, like, it was really weird and creepy, but what purpose did that actually serve in the film? Yeah. You know, the weird thing, the weird, like, I think the thing that jarred me and like the reason that he's so scary is like, they show pictures of what, why Bolter actually look like. And yes, his, his hair's like receding and it's like, it's gray and his skin's a bit pop marked and he's got blue eyes and crooked teeth. But he just looks like a regular human because that's how he is. And uh, yeah, Johnny Depp goes through this transformation, but there's something like wrong about the way he looks that really helps him be intimidating. I think in kind of almost a cheating kind of way. Like, yeah, his eyes don't look like it should match because it doesn't. Mm. And it makes him look really creepy. Like he looks almost like a, like a monster. Yeah. And that's the problem with, I I thought for the, there was actually a a lot of prosthetics in this movie. Yeah. And I thought for the most part, it was pretty good. I thought, I thought Jesse Plemons, his character was like the, the makeup and, and stuff for him, I think was, quite good um i just thought for johnny depp that it it looked it it, it looked kind of too it looked a li- like it was just a tiny bit off which added to that intimidation factor yeah definitely, definitely. i mean it kind of helped him like yeah and, and i think that's just a bit of a like ties into just what the state of prosthetics and stuff in hollywood at the moment and in movies yeah because i think we're we're almost there where you can make people like digitally or Looking like a little bit like physically yeah. alter their face enough that they look like a bit more like the person. Yeah. The trouble is when you have someone that's very rec- has a very recognizable face like Johnny Depp. Yeah. And you just notice the change, whether it was a good change or not. Yeah. Yeah. That. That. I mean, that's a real, and and that's and, a good and segue into. I think, I think we're not quite at the point where you don't notice that change. That's a good segue into a movie that we're going to talk about, but unfortunately. We should probably mention Stranger Things first. Yeah. But where we are going to later talk about Looper, a movie where where everyone remembers the prosthetic that's on Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And I would argue that the prosthetic on him is also kind of good. It's just that we know what he looks like. Uh, yeah. I, I Yeah. Which we, we'll maybe talk about that next week. 
Yes, we'll if, yeah, we'll do it this week. It's on the cards. Time. We'll see how we go. Possibly, potentially, maybe teaser for next week. Yeah, but um, so the, yeah, yeah right, so just, just to kind of finish off, thumbs up, thumbs down, black mask. Ah, uh, would I recommend seeing it? Probably not. No, I I kind of agree. I'd say see Goodfellas or The Departed. Yep. Before you see Black Mass, yeah, like it was it was fine, but I just don't think it was. Yeah, it's not really good enough to it, be worth. We chose like well, I say we. Uh, I watched it and then said we should make it as a homework movie. So uh, the reason I chose it was because. Um, uh, it was just so we could talk about it, really. Like, I, uh, this yeah. is one of those movies where we chose it because it would make it, it, it's a much better podcast topic than it is a movie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's why, that's, that's why we picked it. Anyway, so moving on from that, um, we sort of had a different, had another homework, uh, the thing, thing that we briefly mentioned at the end of the last episode. Yeah. So that the, was... the TV series that, which has taken the internet and the world by storm. Rightly so, I think. Stranger Things. Yeah, Stranger Things. It's on Netflix. Eight episode Netflix series. Yep. Um, and uh, I really, really, really love this. Loved uh, watching this show. Um, I just thought it's an example of um, something that's a little smaller that was just done really well. I really like those movies. I think there's a tendency in, in those shows. At the moment, there's. I'm not seeing a lot of those kind of movies. I, in most of the movies I watch. Um, Everything's at stake, you know. Yeah, um, there are a lot of big stories that I, that I've I've seen recently, and this show, along with uh, Frank, mm. which is another movie, is, we're a, talk is about. a very small, like sort of yeah, this small country town. But that's I mean, suburban America. I think people try and draw the the impact from them. They try and like fake or or cheat out getting some impact they, they from the movie and, because it's. They add that out in the tagline. Also, if these guys don't succeed, the world will end. Yeah. Um, which I think is it, it is something that maybe worked 10 or 20 years ago, but just at this, in this, yeah. it's just so overdone as a conceit for a movie. Yeah. Like, I think when you have a small self contained story, it just works a lot better these days. And the reason that I, I watch movies is, um, and, and read books and just fiction in general. Is because of those little story, like the, the the stories, they don't have to be big. They're the world inside themselves, and it, and and you're supposed to learn something from those stories and stuff. Like I think fiction has, um, I think fiction helps it, 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 in the real world. It can help you explore all these different concepts. Yeah. Um, or so that's more to do with Frank. In this show, I think it. Uh, it has. It has. Like, should we? Should we just ex- briefly explain yeah, sorry, the premise sorry. of the show? So, yeah, Stranger Things resurrects the eighties. It is a classic eighties uh, throwback to like Steven Spielberg, yes, very and much. John Cut. Like, it, it's like very, remi- very, very reminiscent of ET. But then it also has all these horror elements. So there's yeah. like, like sort of smacks a bit of Alien, yeah, which was John very Carpenter big films and stuff like that. Very big then, and also sort of. Very big in the comics world. Yeah. Um, it was that move from Golden Age to to non, uh, non-CVRA comics. That's a whole other thing. Um, it's very interesting. Or maybe I'll talk about it sometime later. But uh, uh, yeah, so Stranger Things is, is that classic 80s um, horror sci-fi uh, story about a shady government organization who's doing these experiments. It's got, tele- it's got like telekinesis. 
It's got um, monster, a uh, monster. It's got uh, uh, interdimensional ha- travel. How I would more describe it would be to say that it's about um, a kid, uh, like a ten-year-old kid, yep. who goes missing, and he gets taken by like a monster. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, there's all these people trying to find them, and there's like the shady government organization, and yeah, all this stuff around it. But um, it's basically about the search for this kid who went missing. Yeah, and I think. The way that this little story uh, um, actually gives you some value or whatever is it talks about uh, there's a character in this so the, the, this little boy goes missing and his friends are looking for him his his little mates who play D and D with him. When when do we want to start talking about spoilers? We'll we'll tell you when we okay, start, okay, start okay. talking about spoilers. Yep. Yeah, we'll make sure that you we'll, we'll give some light plot elements. Yeah, but then we'll give you a good yeah. warning. Um. The, the, you know, his kids who play D&D are looking for him. Um, he's like, best mates. Cla- this is, this is the time. They're like classic 80s nerds. Guy, yeah. yeah it, play D&D, love Star Wars. There's a pretty big chance if you listen to us that you are maybe even just a slightly a bit, of, a bit of a nerd. You play the games or you watch a bunch of TV or something. Uh, maybe you just like beer. But for, for the rest of you, uh, <laughs> there's some element. And you guys should know that we are so lucky. Because, um, man, in the 80s, that was... It was when it was when shit really got started, you know. Video games were just starting to were a twinkle in the in some nerdy guys in, in, some in high school's computer eye. Programmers, eye. Yeah, and um, old school bullying. We're talking. We're talking. If you're into science, you fucking dork. You fucking dork. You're getting properly beaten up, slashed, maybe even uh, threatened with a knife. Yep. Um, because you play Dungeons and Dragons, so yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely the nerdy kids. Um, there's there's, have, there's, there's the that classic, like, high school jocks, football there's, jocks. There's um, his old, the young boys old, older. Uh, uh, there's like a, a slightly older generation represented by one of the friend's sisters. Um, there's like late couple of years in high school, and you get like the regular sort of like there's like some small little stories of just you know like uh, the pressures of having sex or like high school parties and stuff like that. Yeah, um, you've got the police chief who. He's the, just my no, favourite. He's, he's on the police. He's, he's the he? town sheriff. Town sheriff, who is just my favourite police officer character. Who is actually... Any horror movie He was actually in Black Mass. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we meant that. Um, and he's great, uh, Hopper, because... The thing I love about him is he's just so competent. Yes. And that's like the thing that pisses you off. Like, I, I saw his character and I was like, okay, here we go. He's like, wakes up. He's like a sort of a washed up. Um, skeptical police chief. Yeah, there was he's like not going to believe there was some anyone. tragedy that happened to him that he like he was a he used to be a big city cop and now <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. Uh, sleepy town sheriff. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, he, he, here we go. Like I've seen enough of these. This whole plot runs through my head as soon as I see him. Of like him finally getting on side. Maybe in the last couple of episodes after like talking to the mum. Oh, that's huh, you're just hallucinating because just, of grief. Just, just missing everything. Exactly. And you know what? He doesn't do that at all. He is so quick. He's like right there with you as the audience. Per- like, if he, he's almost he, the audience. So he's yeah. almost the audience because um, he's he's like he acts like a guy who's seen a lot of these movies or something. Like, yeah. When he hears about the kid, he goes, "Oh, fine. Oh, yeah, I'll check out the house." And then he immediately notices, notices that Will's been there. And then he, you know, he sees that he goes into the back room. He sees that Will has tried to defend himself, and he seems to, he sees where Will must have been taken. You know, and he immediately sends out a search party, and 
um, not to spoil or anything, but like once he hears about this government, shady government organization, there is no like dismissal of it. He is like, he's, he's like, okay, that must be what's happening. Like he's, he's with it. Yeah. He's, he's I, a great character. Which I, you don't see like ever, um, in, in these horror, horror shows. Um, but that, uh, one of the things that I really liked about this show was the, it's the mum, the relationship. Um, for a little bit, <laughs> to, get, to get strangely deep. Um, uh, for a period in my life, uh, I was in a very similar situation to to Will. Uh, life changed a lot, a lot for me since then. But um, yeah, Will lives with his uh, single mum in uh, fine circumstances, but not great. And uh, they have a close relationship because. She, you know, she's the the single mom, and she fosters his creativity. She reads him books all the time. She lets him imagine and and stuff like that. And um, so when he he goes missing, and shit starts to get a little funky, um, she she doesn't back down from it. She goes with it. You know, whether anybody thinks she's crazy or not. She recognizes that Will is trying to talk to her somehow. And, you know, as the show, show progresses, she gets to see more of that supernatural crap. Yeah. That's really freaky. And I think she is incredibly brave. She never. She's just. She's like, not a fighter she's, or anything. She's not like a, like a crazy. Yeah. Like she's, she's not got superpowers or she's not like really strong. She's just like a regular person that steps up to the plate and is very. Yeah. She's right. Her their house is like right at the heart of this craziness, and she steps up to the plate. She stays there, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. For me, she was just a really great character. She was she was the bravest, bravest character in there. Yeah. So that's our. But all right, before just before we get into spoilers, I the the one aspect that I do want to talk about for me, the best thing about the show is just how well it nails the aesthetic. Mm. Before we really get into um, talking about specific plot stuff. It, it is just, it's got an incredible opening credits. The little title. Like the, the opening title screen yeah. is just, that That has to be one of my favorite TV show opening. Yeah, you should YouTube that. Yeah. It is really, really good. Um, and just the um, the fashions and all the, the like, cars and the, the way that people talk and like just the naivety of some of the people and like just the way it nails that yeah. Spielbergian adventure, yeah. like small town feel is just so great. And that is for me, that is the reason to watch the show. Yeah. And it nails the characters as well. The demographics yeah. that were around back then. It na- All of the characters really are just tropes. Yeah. Like, like they completely are, but the spin that they have that the show manages to have on them is something that's really is just really well pulled off mm-hmm. and really comes together well. Yeah, and I would say that the excuse for putting in those tropes is that some of them aren't really around anymore. So it's yeah. not like out. It's some it, of them are familiar tropes that you would be you would see every day. But like again, um, there's the the proper sort of nerd bullying. There's the um, there's that tech teacher who fosters. Is like their safe haven. Yeah, the, the them AV with that, club with that room, the AV club. Yeah, yeah. If you watch Freaks and Geeks, you know you recognize that very much, like Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, it it, re- it draws inspiration. Actually, I hadn't even picked up that Freaks and Geeks thing, but yeah. yeah, that's so cool. It draws inspiration from so many things, and it's one of those things that could very easily come off as 
really campy or just really uh, trite, but it puts them all together in yeah. a way that is just like a love letter to those yeah. 80s movies and TV shows. And like it, it just draws all those inspirations together, puts them together so well, and it is yeah a, a great show because of that. And I think the uh, one of the reasons that it, it does bring everything together and, and it gets over all those tropes and, and stuff is that um, the something that could really pull this 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 show down is the uh, the monster. Well, the way they do the horror aspects of this show, um, because it is sort of a bit of you know it's it's a very classic story. It's very tropey in that respect. But I thought I thought the horror elements were done well. Like, mm. uh, I would say that the horror elements aren't as much of a focus of the like. No, they're, they're not. That, that's, they're not that's what I mean. Focus. They're the not show. a big focus, and when they happen, um, they're very subtle, right? Uh, and I think that I think they are genuinely uh, creepy. Yeah, very creepy. Yeah, I, and then. You don't even really see the monster until the seventh or eighth exactly. episode, but it's creepy. Yeah, when it turns up, and um, I like that some of the aspects that creep you out at the start, um, when you find out when they're sort of explained later on, uh, you know, you get to have that moment of realization where you're like, oh, "That's why it looked all like, that's why no one could hear him, or like, that's why." Yeah. Um, that's why the air looked weird or like, or yeah, whatever. It, it yeah. kind of explains a bunch of that stuff. Yeah. So to get into the spoiler territory now, so you skip ahead to the next timestamp. Yep. But is there anything you'd like to talk about with the ending of Stranger Things? Yeah. Um, I was a bit unsatisfied by the <laughs> ending. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I, I, I was. Like, I think, I think, uh, although the show really nailed that, it's that aesthetic, there wasn't, to me, there wasn't a satisfying payoff for all of the mysteries. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of talked about it a lot, actually. You, like, And you've pointed out to me that they do answer a lot of the questions. But to me, it was just the whole big mystery about the government organization and where the, like, what the monster even was and stuff yeah. was all just so incredibly vague. And like, I don't know, maybe I would have liked a bit more time spent building up that fiction a bit better yeah whereas what it really was for almost the entire show up until maybe like the last couple of episodes was just like shady government organization and mysterious monster and all these people running around with no idea what was really going on yeah for almost the entirety of the show yeah that like i i I didn't so much like that aspect so yeah, to, when when you brought that up, like to me, uh, I felt like those those questions were kind of answered. Um, in terms of the shady government organization, I mean that whole premise was just based on the fact that of those like Reagan LSD tests. Yeah. Right. So the whole idea was that they, they, they talked about how like those LSD tests that really went on were just a front um, where they got people to test uh, psychic ability. Yeah. And Eleven is, um, she's just a result of that. So she was born in the facility from one of these women that was drugged out and like, and um, put in a sensory deprivation chamber and and all that sort of stuff. She's like, I don't know, concentrated, second generation kind of thing. Like crazy psychic person. 
Yes. I don't know. Like, the na- fact that her name is Eleven, that to me implies that, that there, there are more kids. There are more kids. Yeah. Which is not something we ever saw. So, I... From the thing that I got from all this is that I'm pretty sure there was actually only one. Yeah. Because... But... Yeah, so what I, what I took that to mean was that there were ten adults. Right? Nice round number. That makes sense. For these experiments. Yeah. And you get an off number because one of them turns out to be pregnant. Eleven. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. To me... But that, but that's to just me, To me, I kind of assumed that there was there would be other kids. Yeah, eleven kids or... Um, but the, the, I mean, and, and that's all, that, all that's like, totally true. They had been doing all these experiments, and all the kids had just died. Uh, like the other kids had just died, and she was the only one that had survived the experiments. That's kind of what yeah. I thought was the idea. And you're right; but you're fine like, to think that because no one did tell us. That's one aspect where you're totally right. We didn't get closure on that. Yeah, which which is something they could explore in a second series. I think. Yeah, how they um, do the second series was what I was really thinking about with this. I would really love for them to do a. Um, similar like a sort of more anthology series type thing where they bring back maybe like one or two characters from the first season and it focuses on a completely different mystery i think that's the only way that can work i think maybe the time what they actually i think they have actually confirmed that all the previous all of them back something something like that yeah the thing that i don't really like about that is these characters have already gone through a transformation yeah and trauma and they've grown, and they face the trauma. Like to bring them back, it's I don't like that. Yeah, like, for I, instance, I w- the mum and Will. Will's been kidnapped, and and, and, and she's and they like set up at the end where he like coughed up the bug into the sink. Yeah, which is really upsetting to me because yeah, like you'd like to think that that would be the end of that group of characters. Just story. for them, for that mum to to just not have to experience that stress again. Yeah, at least. Yeah, uh, where I would like to see it go for a season two would be maybe bring back Hopper and Eleven I think probably has to be in it but and, apart from well, that yeah, don't bring and back the organisation and yeah and the organisation which like, I mean it's clear that they're doing that because Hopper's last thing is that he makes a deal with the some sort of deal with the shady organisation yeah, yeah and he's like, brought back in at the last minute so something's gonna happen with him he's definitely in it yeah I think a lot of the stuff around the shady organisation I don't think was there wasn't enough of a payoff for that yeah, to me, um, like, like it, it, it was really disappointing that the like leader of the organization, like the white haired guy, he got. You never really got to yeah. know much about his character. He was just like shady leader of the organization, and he gets killed by the monster. Like I, that. That was. I, I was really disappointed that there wasn't like, there wasn't like an episode dedicated entirely to him. Although like with a the backstory? Eight, yeah, like a bit of a backstory, like which is something that they do so well in a lot of other shows with where they try and humanize the villain a bit. Like um in The Walking Dead, the episode that is entirely focused on the governor, I thought is one of the best Walking yeah, Dead episodes. Yeah, that is a good episode. Alright, sorry about that. We just we're back. Um <laughs> I got a call and now we're completely bamboozled as to where we were. <laughs> So I'm just going to so if we, if we read like if we reiterate <laughs> any just, of the points that we've already said, yeah. or it's if, entirely Sam's fault. Or if you never find out what I was trying to say, <laughs> <laughs> you're, about, you're about to make a great, hilarious point, but we'll never know. Yeah, now. just let. I just want to let you know that it was the greatest thing I've ever done in my, my career. Um, so what? It's I, been all cut out. To 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 address what you were talking about with with um not being satisfied, not being with satisfied the with mystery and stuff. Uh, I think uh, so. I'll split it up. The monster and the Shandy organization. 
So in terms of the shady organization, um, I think that, uh, yeah, the 11, the whole thing with whether she was part of more of a group, that could have been fleshed out more. Uh, I think this show... We never got, we never really got much of her background apart from like her abilities. Yes. Like that's the only background we got for that character. But I think that's because on the drawing board and, you know, part of the show being so classic, right, is that I don't think there was much written about them. I, I think that the, the guy who, the boss of the Shady Organization, like I think, first of all, that whole set of characters was written on a whiteboard with the title of Shady Government Organization. Yeah. Right? And then, because that's a classic thing. And then um, his character, I don't think he had a backstory when they talked about him having redeeming features because I think he didn't have any. I think I think that was his whole, his whole thing was he was, um, he was that sort of, again, in the 80s with fears of stuff like science becoming a, like way more advanced. Yeah. Computers. Um, cloning was being talked about, right? Um, people were afraid of that. And in comes this character that's like bad scientists, as in scientists with no morals. So, so his whole thing was like pursuit of knowledge. And he sees someone getting killed by the monster and he's like, that's fantastic. That's we can, fascinating. We can learn so much from Like, him. just his, like, shit-eating grin on his face when people yeah, get, like, murdered by Exactly. He's just a pure... He's just a purist. He's just in, in it for the for the fascinating knowledge, whether it be bad or good. And I think that probably... The reason why his character, like, was like... And the government organization were like that is possibly to do with the limited eight-episode yeah, run that they were doing. So, definitely. they probably didn't have enough space. But also, that, but that character to, was, to, was way like, more relevant. I, I, I just think that... For as pivotal, sorry, as pivotal as that character, and even some of the other like higher ups in the organization that we never even learnt any of their names, yeah, like that woman, she's clearly, I reckon, she's like in the next season, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, uh, just they were so pivotal, that yeah, not pivotal, pivotal, fantastical, man, you know, <laughs> get on the train. they were so pivotal to the plot, and you see them. They are featured in almost every episode, and you see them so much, yeah. and then they just did. He just didn't really do anything. He was just kind of there, and then he gets killed. Yeah, but I mean, which did, that was that much. was unsatisfying. Like for that character that appeared really intriguing, yeah. uh, it was. I was just a bit disappointed that they short shrifted him so much. Like yeah. I, I think. They could have very easily written it so that he didn't die at the end. So one of the thoughts that you told me the cast is coming back, so instantly I, I think, think, I, I think, I think I'm think wrong. That's the thing. But what I thought was gonna or would be a good season two uh, was that the reason they didn't explain him as much is because I thought it might have been a more like a prequel, shady government organization series. centered season. Yeah, as a prequel. Uh, that's what I had in mind. Yeah, but. Yeah, so to that, that, you, the Shady Government organization, yes, it was a bit one-dimensional and you didn't really get to hear about it. In terms of the monster, I think you just come up against this classic thing of like perspective where we got told, you know, the guy explained the monster was um, something that could travel through dimensions um, and it's, uh, yeah, it was moving through dimensions in our space, but the, our our... Uh, position, but not our in our space. Yeah, um, and it's that, attracted to blood. 
it's attracted to blood. It's just pretty much just like a, a uh, an animal. It is very much like reminiscent of an alien star monster where it it's not like some intelligent, malevolent no. being. It's just like it's just like hunting through time. Yeah, and it comes it's from an other world. And the only reason it's here is because Eleven called it in. Yeah. So, the, so it does explain that. And I th- I think the reason that you don't get to hear as much about it, I would love to hear exactly how it travels dimensions or its name or like more about its world. What are these slug things? Why is yeah. it snowing like that all the time or whatever that is? Why in the is air? it like... What what's the difference of the yeah. uh, planes, the upside yeah. down and stuff? I would love to hear about that, but there's no character that could tell us that. No, everyone's in the dark about this monster, obviously, and I think that's just what you know. This is the thing that a lot of people run into is just this matter of perspective. If you have these characters, you can only learn as much as those characters can tell you, the audience, um, barring some interventionist like narrator bullshit yeah and I think I think they told you as much as they could tell you with working with the characters they had yeah and I think I think the reason why I was a bit unsatisfied with the monster was that it was just uh, like it was just like scary monster for the sake of having this scary monster over eight hours of yeah of viewing time yeah whereas for something whereas I, I think that maybe works a little bit better in like an alien movie where it's like an, it's like two hours or an hour and a half or a Black Mirror episode where it's a, a different monster yeah it's like time. a different monster every time and I think when it's the same thing when it's not when like there's no yeah. when it's just like there to be scary and kill people like uh, that's not as interesting yeah. over that longer period of time but I think that's just a, a really like philosophical like conceptual argument between like uh, writers and stuff. It's yeah. Like, what, what do you do yeah. with that? With the, with the perspective, and also the fact that um, uh, you know, to get really uh, out there, you know, uh, airy fairy with it. Um, the reason that people are afraid of a lot of things is because they just appear and you don't understand them. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're afraid of them. It could turn out that they're deadly allergic to cheddar, and all you needed to do was just throw some cheddar at them, and they would die. Yeah. Fear gone. Like, um, it's the fear of the unknown. And yeah, the relentless and, presence and like the whole scary thing about it is you don't know where it could pop up. And the reason that cultures create monsters, cultures create monsters around stuff that they see and don't understand yet. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's, I think that was definitely thought about. I don't think it was something that they overlooked or a problem with like a whole. Yeah. I think it yeah. was just it was a decision. Just a, a different decision. And um, yeah, I don't know whether or not, look, look, to be perfectly honest, though, by having it being this not all that complicated thing, it allowed them to focus on some of the art. Like, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. it allowed less focus on the horror aspects, which is the things that I'm probably more interested in anyway, the relationship between characters and them doing... Oh, like, yeah. That was a whole subplot. Investigation and mystery and, like, rather than the really, like, horror going to other dimensions stuff. There was like, a bunch of freaks and geeks, just subplots happening. Yeah. Like the yeah, girl which is, that goes which is to the a, party, you know? Yeah, which are the things that I probably like more about the show. Yeah, it allowed them to focus on some some more of those aspects. Even so. Eleven, all of her interesting plot points were just to, just, just regular regular little girl things. stuff. Like yeah, her experiencing some stuff for the first time and wearing dresses and trying to go to school, defending her friends from bullies. Yeah, stealing egos from a supermarket. Yeah, yeah, like I'm. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think they did a really good job with yeah. with just like the human uh, elements of the story. Yeah. So to kind of sum up, 
I really, I actually, despite of the sort of vagueish problems that I had with it, I thought it was a really good show and it's well worth watching. Yes, I love Stranger Things. It's, and you know it's what? We good didn't fun. that much. So we you, didn't really, yeah. It's, if good, you were, it's good fun. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they go for it. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the great things about it is that this seems like the kind of show that would just not be made on another net, network. Yes, 100%. So net, Netflix creativity that they allow is in full effect here and it's fantastic. It's just great. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it, it's just great. Anyway, that's that's so, our review of, of Stranger Things. Yeah. So, I think we might finish off by talking about a movie which um, both of us have watched this yep. time. Yep. Shock Horror. We'll, we'll, um, Looper, we'll have to wait. Uh, very, very very similar to Stranger Things. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Weirdly, called... it is because it's a small story. I suppose that aspect, yeah. yeah. But the movie we're going to talk about to finish up is called Frank. Yes. Which... Um, I can do this one. You want me to describe this one? Uh, (laughs) Frank is a small movie that that follows a band, specifically like uh, the new member of the band. Um, uh, With some weird, unpronounceable name. Yeah, it's one of those weird, unpronounceable synthies. Like Schnardem Fluge. Yeah. Really out there creative bands, you know, where they this kind of band like, where they sample like super indie prog rock type, band. yeah, where they sample like the sound of someone rubbing someone else's beard and then put it into the song somehow, yeah, and then like say they have a bunch of really weird samples, yeah, and it's a true story about this band. It's um, no, it's not a true story, it's a it's fiction, not. it's based, it's like there's a real loosely band. inspired by ah. um, this, this actual guy called Frank Sidebottom, right? Okay, sorry, um. Uh, yeah, follow, it follows this band in just a very short, like 12, 12 months, would you say? Like uh, it's about a year and a half. A I year think. and a half? Yeah. Um, a period of their life as, as, as they go along and make this album. Um, and the, th- the thing that's really good about this movie, I think, to start off with, is that one of its whole themes is like part of how you talk to some a friend about this movie right so if you recommend to a friend if you recommend frank to a friend it's inescapable we have to mention the fact that frank the leading the the the, the mind behind the band the creative the one, front man the front the man. front man writes a lot of their music and is kind of like that that's kind of the whole yeah who the movie is about it's called frank uh, he constantly wears a big fake head a big paper mache head Yep, which which is it is as weird as it sounds. Yeah. And it's that's a, how he like friend... wears it in the shower. He yeah. never takes it off. And that's how your friend remembers it. You told me it. I asked you a bunch of questions it's, about the head. It's the movie about the yeah. guy in the head. You're like, does he wash? Like, and uh, is it just dirty and gray yeah, one and of the filthy thing. underneath. Yeah, like, what? How does he eat? And it stars thing... Michael Fassbender, and for almost the entirety of the film, you yeah. don't you don't actually see him be Michael yeah. Fassbender. And the thing it with is... this movie, one of, one of the things in this movie is that. Um, that's like surface level shit, man. You shouldn't pay attention to that. Yeah. Like, this movie is it, definitely not about that. No. And Michael Fassbender gives an incredible performance yeah. that is entirely physical. Yeah. It's entirely all, with his body. Weird. Um, and his weirdness just tends to be... It's very obvious. Yeah. So, it's like Domhnall Gleeson, through some crazy circumstances, mm. he manages to find it. He's like a aspiring musician yep. who tries to write music, but never... He just... He has all these ideas and he's, he can play the keyboard and stuff, yeah. but he just doesn't have... He's the, not very talented. 
in that he's like talented at playing the keyboard, but he's just not creative enough to be able to write. Yeah. Write stuff like write good songs. Yeah. Um, and through cer- through certain like through some weird circumstances, he manages to find himself in this yeah. weird band from America called Sonam Furbs and he, or something. Yeah, he replaces their keyboard artist. Yeah. He tries to drown himself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he goes on tour with them for a little bit yeah. and then they go off into like the uh, log cabin in Germany to record an album. Just locked away. With and that's, weird that's most of the movie. Yeah. And as one of the... the, the uh, just to make sure that you guys just, just forget about the head uh, is that... Um, uh, I think one, one something that's a uh, scene that happens really early on is between the band man, the band's manager, who's a very interesting character, and, yeah. and played by Scoot McNary. Yeah, and she's a great name, and John Paul Gleason, another great name. Um, where uh, he says that Frank is the most sane out of all of us, and the things and like they're all weird. Yeah, it's a band of misfits, basically. Yeah, he has you, sex with mannequins. Yeah, the the manager. The manager is mannequin. Used to. Um, it's just Maggie Gyllenhaal's character is like the she's like the keyboardist and plays the um, theremin. Yeah, she's the really she does all the really weird sounds. Yeah, and she's just the she's ice just queen. like really angry. <laughs> yeah, there's a like a French um, couple, that- French guitarist and a, and the drummer who doesn't speak. Yeah. Who was act? Who is actually like? She's actually a drummer in bands and stuff. She drum. Um. She did the drumming on the actress. Uh, yeah, oh. the actress. She's she's actually just like she's actually just a drummer. Oh yeah. Um. And they got her to be in the movie, yeah. and she. I think she did a really good job. She was the drummer on one of on Jack White's most recent album. Okay. Um. From the White Stripes. Yeah, and so I wanted to tackle this movie a bit differently. I wanted to do it on the uh, talk about the different themes. Um, instead of just going through the movie. Yeah. So the first one I want to talk to you about is there's a lot of strong themes in this one. And the first one is um, struggling with... Um, so it, I think the creative world is a lot different to um, to, the, to others. So in... What do you mean? Different to I, like... I, I'm, so I'm going to go into science, right? Um, and sure, you there's a level of intelligence you come into that that area with, and you're going to do engineering. Yeah. And there's a level of intelligence that really helps you, obviously, with all things, right? Yeah. But um, it's all about like defin. It's all about like right and ro- like definitive yeah. laws and facts. And there's still creativity that comes into it. But if you put in work. You'll see results. Yeah, you're either you for for most of science, you're either right or you're wrong. Yeah, and um, generally, you know, one of the things I like, <laughs> one of the things I like about you, uh, Peter, is that um, your most valuable, uh, your most valuable uh, positive point is uh, not how smart you are, but you are smart. Is just um, how how hard you can work and how how. Uh, you can solve practical problems. Right. That ability to work is going to put you a lot further ahead of someone than how smart you are. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> As an example. The point is, though, that in the creative world, um, it's fucking sad. Like... It's brutal. you got to understand that... Um, you know, I remember having a really, really 
funny but harsh conversation with this with this guy. I used to know this group of people that went to this school. I can't remember the name of it. Maybe I shouldn't say it. Um, in Brisbane here, and the school is this very interesting school. It's it's split. It's it uh, it does some really uh, amazing things. It pumps up pumps up some great students, and it's very specialized. There's two branches of the school. They're in opposite places in South Bank, and uh, one of them is does tech stuff, science and computer specifically. Right. Just does that. It basically does the, a regulation amount of English and history and stuff just to get them by, and it focuses heavily on, focuses heavily on that. Yeah. And the other school is this arts thing. They they do directing, a lot of film stuff and painting and and, and writing, poetry, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to one of the science guys because they all hang out together about the other school, and he said it's really it's really interesting, isn't it? It's like he said it's beautiful. It, like when I walk into a room filled with those people making movies. Uh, I don't know. He was a lot smarter than me. He, he had this great. <laughs> harsh analogy it reminded me of our friend called henry but he said like it's like it's like you know you know you ever heard of those cactuses with the flowers they bloom once a year yeah and i'm like, and I'm like yeah and he's like yeah and they say it's so beautiful because you only see it like once or it's gonna it's gonna die soon i think it's it's just like that because you walk into this room and uh, isn't it funny that like 95 percent of these people will never ever ever succeed <laughs> you know like like if that's which, the arts which is incredibly unfortunately true yeah so this movie explores that. One of the really big messages I think in this film is that it is to do with that, like creating art and being arty and having all these really interesting ideas and about yeah. like whether a band should compromise their artistic vision right. or just like to to try and find some modicum of success with like try and find some connection with other people because one of the things I think art is fundamentally about is trying to connect with other people yeah. and trying to connect with other other people's ideas. Well, I think... I and think that's one of the big themes of this um, film is, is yeah. do we want to try and find an audience or... Do we want to do what we want to do? Do we want to do what we want yeah. to do, which is like just not give a fuck and just create this yeah. incredible, like... Just, just random artistic shit. Yeah. And I think what's what's good about that is like, in a, like a lot of things in this movie, like Frank has the right idea. He, he's just this beautiful creative person. Yeah. And, and, he, there's, and that, he there's Don Hall Gleason who's just obsessed with views. Yeah. Or like he, he, he definitely thinks, yes, you should cater. He, he wants to be a successful musician. Whereas I think, yeah, which makes him very much an outsider to the rest of the band when he comes into it. And then you've got the uh, ice queen and she goes the other way I think she's she's too far on the other side she would almost prefer that the no one listen to them yeah she wants to protect that yeah unique and the reason artistic that Frank is excited and convinced to do all this stuff by Don Hall Gleason is because initially he sees that a couple of thousand people have watched them practice and that's what you really want as an artist is that you want to do your own thing and have people like it. You don't want to do something to make people like it. Yeah. You want to have that beautiful combination. That's why everyone fails, I guess, is you, you want to do what you want and actually have that just by happenstance be what people like. Yeah. Which is the real trump. Like it, it is the incredibly 
difficult thing about any artistic pursuit is trying to break through and like fundamentally find other people that will enjoy what you're doing, which is the real struggle with, with like most artists starting out today, be it painting or sculpture or music, like the struggle is to find an audience of people that enjoy this shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, actually, that's not what I was talking about. That was the theme. But, um, <laughs> what I was getting at, I suppose we'll talk about next, is that um, this this movie is a big, strong theme about um, being up, being underwhelmed with face facing your lack of talent, and more importantly, envy the envy that can come with that. And that's, I think, probably one of the strongest themes throughout this movie. Is I think that's the very much embar- embodied in Domino Gleason's Yeah, the reason that um, that the, the people tend to go a little bit more screwy when they do these practices with the band and they're with Frank is that they're around him so long and you can't help but compare your creative... Energy. Energy to his... And he's just great. He's just relentlessly yeah. interesting. And um, I think, you know, that's that's shown time and time and time again where like uh, he says, Frank, it's just so hard to write about something. And Frank says, oh, you could write about anything. You could write about this tuft of fur on the carpet, right? But he doesn't just say that. He picks up a guitar and he makes up this song about the tuft of fur and it's already better than anything. Donald Gleeson's ever written. Yeah. And... Um, I think the character that embodies that more than Dom Hall Gleason is the, the band manager. So the band manager used to, he, yes, he banged mannequins. He used to be the the um, keyboardist mm. for the band, and then he stopped and became a manager. And the thing that he's really struggling with more than anything is that he used to be, and guess he still is Frank's friend. He recognized Frank's talent and everything. And he thinks he's great, right? Yeah, and he's the band manager, so he's like in charge of yeah. actually getting them out to see people. So the thing is, like, you think that would be great, but he basically went through. The same stuff that Donald Gleason's going through. He he tried to write songs and they were bad. And he just ends up that whole thing of like being in awe of Frank just sort of over time evolves into this like ball of bad stuff. Of uh, you you start admiring something and you go from that to just hating it and and envying it and wanting it, but and, and but then, hating it like, at the same time. Yeah, and, and, and I think what happens to his character is like he it's it's more the end it's rather than any sort of hatred it's like he just loves frank and he just knows that he just cannot measure up to it's that it's combination yeah it's 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 hating something and (laughs) wanting to be it at the same time and liking him and because you must it must be a compounding effect because frank is not not he's lovely Mm. And all he wants to do is create. He's definitely not comparing himself to anyone. No. That's for sure. Like he, and he's he's not trying. He's, he's definitely not trying to show off to anyone. He's he's just one of those like obliviously, mm. like so straight up kind of people. What happens when you hate that person? You feel bad about it. How could you hate that person? You feel like shit for hating that person, and it's just a big cycle of of, of things. Yeah. So what happens to that character is just really. That is the the biggest example of of this envy that you see throughout the whole thing. But also, yeah, Dom Gleason, Dom Hall Gleason is completely envious of him. It sort of contributes to tearing apart the band, and um, and a lot of stuff that happens in the, in the yeah in the movie. 
I think the real thing that tears apart the band at the end is is Domhnall Gleeson's like need to change them. Yeah, need to change the band and the adverse effects and, and it has like on Frank' desire to be yeah. a big hit success because Frank wants to he wants people to listen to him as well. Yeah, and he sort of just he's drawn along by this and, and agrees to all this stuff. Yeah, even though you know what, he, it turns out he is also mentally ill, obviously mm. under all this. I think one of the yeah, and, and another thing to do with this MV is he keeps coming up with a reason. You know, Dom Hollis, and you don't know who Frank is, obviously. So he's imagining face scars, and uh, or maybe he had a troubled childhood, or whatever. And the thing is that this is not it is not about curiosity, like what we would think. Like, why does he wearing the head? It's because he's trying to find an excuse. He's like, I had a normal life. Yeah, Frank probably had to get over. Yeah, actually, that's that's one of the things he said. Like he, because he has all these like blog posts that he reads out. Yeah, um, like narrates over the film, and one of the things he talks about is like, what is going to be my crucible that I go through, which will make me a better artist. Mm. And um, the most crushing thing that happens to him, I think, throughout the entire movie is near the end where. Um, uh, he goes to Frank's house and he talks to his parents mm. and Frank's family home is remarkably like Donald Gleason's family home. His parents are very loving, loving, yeah. very supportive. And even his mental illness, the, the whole thing that he needs to wear a head, um, they say oh, he didn't have to get over that. And, and uh, the, it, it his wasn't dad said, any sort of trauma. Yeah. It's just, and the dad said, oh, actually he was always musically gifted. Um, and he's, and he said, and he's like, well, what about the head? Did that spark it, spark it off. Like maybe he's only gifted because he's nuts. And, and he said like, if anything, that held him back. Yeah. He said the held the head held him back. He would have been better. And he like blames himself for making the first head. And yeah. yeah, it's just like, there is no excuse. Um, and it's, yeah, I think in that way, like the whole art thing is, it's, it's, uh, it's a brutal thing to go into because you get judged on a rant on this almost like a handout that you didn't have any part in getting. Mm. Um, and it's like everything, but I think it, I think most other things you can really work on more. And I think, I think with art, you can work hard at it. Definitely. But at the end of the day, if you just don't have that magic thing yeah. that makes every great artist like, and there's a lot of luck that comes into it as well, obviously, but there just has to be, you have to be special to find that sort of massive breakout mainstream success. Yeah. 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 I, I, and, and I don't know, I kind of really envy a lot of the people that have met, tried to make that their career and make that their life because it is such a difficult road. But I think um, one of the messages that you should get out of this movie is that you're, if you're thinking about, um, if you are thinking about being an artist and you're thinking about it like Donald Gleeson's thinking about it, or like Peter just mentioned, like um, how am I going like trying to be successful and stuff? More often than not, it is the Franks of the world who um, whose minds it never crosses mm. uh, who are actually end up being successful. Um, there are lots of different pathways that you can take. If you're the kind of person who's thinking, how can I be successful? That thinking is, will serve you way better in a lot of other places, but it won't do you very much good in, in art.
Yeah. And just before we finish, I want to talk about the third thing, a little bit closer to us, public perception and social media and the hollowness of, uh, of that and how much it really counts for and the difference between knowing people and being popular with people on a personal level and being popular like internet famous or, or, or popular like that and, and, um, yeah, yeah. Dom Gleason learns that. He's a tweeter. He tweets. Yeah. Prolific. That's tweeter. how they get put on the map to start yeah. off with. And once, and that's all well and good until he actually needs help. And you know, when he's fine, when he's going to try and find, first of all, it's like anything, like people, people can just hate you and love you. And they do that frequently online, mostly hate. And, and that can turn at the drop of a hat. Exactly. And the other thing is that they don't really care. No. Um, and I think it's really important to know that with, especially with social media now, like, uh, apart from tweeting, a lot of successful YouTubers and stuff, they do vlogs or, you know, podcasts where you, we talk to the audience. And as much as I love, I love everyone that listens to this, right? <laughs> uh, it's way harder to see us as you are the listener, as, as, as people. And we're, we're, we're an hour for you, you know? So when it comes to that time where like Don Morgulis wants to find Frank and it's a real problem. Frank's got a mental illness. He's gone. He could be anywhere. He could be getting yeah. murdered. He could be. He could have got killed. Yeah. Which is different to murdered. And you know, like <laughs> <laughs> all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, and he asks Twitter yeah. for help. Then he truly He's, sees, you know, like he really sees some, you know, what someone's the, the and, and skin deep. They like, do, they do such a great job of like some sample Twitter post reactions. Like, there's a guy who's like, "Funky Butthole" is his name, and he says like, "Yes, I found him. He's up my asshole." And then someone says like, uh, "Yeah, he's right here," and gives like a very planned out, sincere. Because some of these people are fucking sinister. Like, uh, sin- sincere like um, instructions of where yeah. to go to find Frank, and it's like this like white power, like these dudes who are, like. White supremacists. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to get him in trouble. These people that like, or just, you know, like who think it's like a publicity stunt. Yeah. A lot of people message like, hey man, this is enough with this stupid publicity tweeting stuff. Or like, uh, enough the people with just, the social media. Yeah. Or, when are you going to play Los Angeles? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just really important to, to, to remember that because of the way that some people do it, especially vloggers, it's, you know, hello guys. This is what's been happening in my day. Hello, friends. That's the, re- the way the reason why people. the reason why those things like that work so well is because the person that creates it, it makes the people who are yeah. watching it feel like they are. They, there's that familiarity there. But what you should remember is that um, there is actually that disconnect. There's a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's definitely a big theme in this movie as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'd just like to sort of finish up by just saying that. This is really a movie that I think everybody should watch. Yeah. It is just an incredible achievement. I it's think like an hour and the, 35 minutes. It's not all that long, and it just tells such a touching and interesting and like just emotionally resonant to me yeah. story. And just the, all the performances are so great. The soundtrack is incredible. Yeah. Like the soundtrack's actually like you can actually buy a lot of the. Um, songs and stuff from the movie which were actually all recorded live as they filmed it which yeah. I think is really interesting and 
quite often goes very wrong. <laughs> and usually what you would do is record it beforehand and then play it over the top. But anyway, yeah. it, like, <laughs> I really think everybody should watch this movie. It's just a well, really well done thing, and I think more people should see it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, just to carry on the theme of Sam throws up a, a secondary homework <laughs> movie. Um, Sam's suggestion uh, for this week um, is that... Uh, so, uh, for next week, we're going to talk about a homework movie. I, I really wanted to also talk about a movie called um, Jeff Who Lives at Home. Okay. Which is... Which is not on Netflix. No, not on Netflix. So, this is... That's why it's not a homework movie. Yeah. But I really wanted to encourage anybody who can get their hands on it to watch it. And we are going to talk about it. Um, because... Uh, this movie reminded me of that. None of the same themes. <laughs> but it's a very small story. Really small. Way smaller than this Very one. classic set end of yeah. movie. Type. No one dies. No one gets a cold even, you know, like... It's just about... But it's, it's slice of life type thing. Yes, but it's it's got some really good themes in it as well. Especially if you're around our age. Um, and you're like just graduating uni. You're graduating, graduating uni, uni or you're just... Yeah, because Jeff, yeah, Jeff lives at home and follows this guy who is a little bit older than he should be, uh, and he's still living at home. And um, it's about... Is it Paul Rudd or Jason... It's a, uh, Jason Siegel. Yeah. Who, who lives at home. And it's about him trying to... He just wants to do something that actually means something to him. And it's like about that kind of struggle of like... of Of doing that. And... When you're faced with a lot of these options that, like, don't seem like the thing you want to do, or options are like, oh, yeah, I guess I could do that, but you're not passionate about it, or, or, yeah. or whatever, and you see your life sort of being wasted, which is not what's going to happen to you, but you know what I mean? That's what you see. Yeah. It can, like, really stall you. And yeah. also, so just, like, you just, yeah, just trying to find meaning. And I think the way that the movie goes is just so, it's so good and little. <laughs> so very little. Yeah, okay. So we'll talk about that next week. We're also going to talk about Looper. Yep. Um, and then the homework movie that we're going to do is a film called Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. It's all is, about the porno. Yeah, by Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, yep. direct, same guy who did Inherent Vice, which we talked about. Yeah, that, really, weird, that really, 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 really weird film with Joaquin Phoenix in it. But really well-made film. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's it. Uh, that's it. That's everything. Yeah. Uh, thank follow you. us on the yeah. socials and all that garbage. I did a Sam and Peter or AB with with SP on Instagram, Facebook.com slash like with Sam and Peter. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's gonna be. And that's pretty much it. Uh, something yeah. you may not have noticed uh, is that um, we finally were like, "Hey, SoundCloud. Uh, yes, we do own everything we we put in our podcast. So you can download all the episodes now. Yeah. That happened a while ago, but we never mentioned it." So, yeah, so you can yeah you can download them to your yeah whatever, which will really help some of you especially if you've passed uh, knowledge of our podcast onto uh, a grandparent well you know go for it um, <laughs> yeah, I know it'll help my grandma uh, just because it's much easier just to tell someone like you can just download download it, it and then it. click on it yeah yeah, yeah so. okay anyway that's it that's it we're gone the music's playing probably. <laughs>